0: Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Book of Second Corinthians. Today is episode 498. We're looking at Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Let's read our passage. I wish you would put up with a little foolishness from me. Yes, do put up with me, for I am jealous for you, with a godly jealousy, because I've promised you in marriage to one husband to present of pure virgin to christ but i fear that as the serpent deceived eve by his cunning your mind may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to christ for if a person comes and preaches another jesus whom we did not preach or you receive a different spirit which you had not received or a different gospel which you had not accepted you put up with it splendidly This is 2 Corinthians. This is a letter that Paul is sending to the church in Corinth. Paul had made a quick visit there to try and resolve issues which didn't get resolved from 1 Corinthians, but there was a lot of opposition, and he had to leave in haste to go back to Ephesus. Then he sent the tearful letter to try and straighten things out. Titus took the letter, and between the letter and Titus's ministry, it seems to have had the proper effect, and the church by and large is on board with Paul now. There's still a group for holdouts, and Paul's been dealing with that group, but he's also dealing with some things church-wide that have to be dealt with. And there's still this nagging suspicion amongst a bunch of them that Paul is not the appropriate apostle. But there's also this other group that seems to have come to town and are challenging Paul's claim to be apostle, and they themselves are passing themselves off as the ones to follow. So Paul has been dealing with these things. He spoke last time about the issue of boasting, and that we really need to boast in Christ. But now he takes it dealing with this outside group. Begin a section here from chapter 11, verse 1, through chapter 12, verse 13. And it's often called the fool's speech. Paul speaks about being a fool, he speaks about fools, and he uses the term foolishness a lot. So several times he mentions foolishness, foolish behavior, foolish thinking, and fools. So that's why it's called the fool's speech. And Paul presents himself as a fool, and that's why it's the fool's speech Paul is speaking here. So the first section, which we won't get through today, from verse 1 through First part, 21, is what's considered the introduction. Then the the speech itself is the second part of verse 21 through chapter 12, verse 10. Then the last three verses, chapter 12, 11 through 13, that's the the epilogue, kind of the the add-on after bit. So let's start into the introduction, see what we can make of this in chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, I wish you would put up with a little foolishness from me. Yes, do put up with me. Well, he warns of his foolishness here. He doesn't really get to the foolish part until verse 21. But he's warning he's going to be foolish. From this perspective, what is a fool? Sometimes we think of fool as somebody who's just silly or maybe less than intelligent. Think more along what it means to be fooled. If you are Fooled means you have fallen for something that is not true, fallen for something that's false. So a good definition of fool to think through here is someone who cannot evaluate himself in an accurate, sober way. And so somebody who's mistaken about themselves would be a fool. They've been fooled into thinking something that's wrong. So Paul says, I'm going to be foolish here, so Based on what he's been talking about, it has to do with boasting. Because from Paul's perspective, boasting is foolish. But he feels that he has to do this. So put up some foolishness from me. Yes, do put up with me. Now he's explaining why he's doing this. Verse 2, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy because I've promised you in marriage to one husband to present a pure virgin to Christ. So he's using the metaphor of marriage here. We actually see this a lot in the Bible, that we see it throughout the Old Testament. God views Israel as his bride, and when they chase off after other gods, that is viewed as adultery, spiritual adultery. Well, here, Paul's using the image of betrothal, which is a, probably a better term than engagement, because engagement's a term we use. So if the couple gets engaged and decides, I don't want to be engaged anymore. Boom, you break off the engagement. Yeah, there's a lot of hurt over that, but it's something that's easy to do. You just say, hey, the engagement's off. Back in the day from the Jewish uh, world, the betrothal was illegal. Proceedings to break off a betrothal requires a divorce. Remember the story of Joseph and Mary and the birth of Jesus, where Mary turns up pregnant with Jesus by an act of the Holy Spirit. Joseph wants to divorce her because obviously she's been unfaithful. Now he could have demanded that she be executed because. Of bad behavior, but he was just going to break off the betrothal, which would require a divorce. It's that big a deal, the idea of betrothal. Now, in this metaphor that Paul's using here, this image, he, Paul, is the father. The church of Corinth is the bride, and the betrothed husband is Christ. So, when Paul came to Corinth and Presented the gospel and they accepted the gospel, became followers of Christ, they were now betrothed to Christ. And we often see this imagery of the wedding feast as the end when Christ returns. So that's the, the image that Paul's using here is we're in this betrothal period where we're legally connected, but haven't fully consummated the relationship until Christ returns. And so, as the Father, He wants to protect the innocent, the integrity, the virginity of this betrothed bride, bride bride-to-be, the church. So he's trying to protect the church from being unfaithful. That is, straying from following Christ. And his picture he paints here is he's trying to keep them pure until Christ returns. Verse 3. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve... By his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Which is the language he uses here. You're being seduced. He's trying to keep you guys pure, but you're being seduced. You're being led away to be unfaithful to Christ, who you are promised to, who you're already betrothed to, you're already legally connected to, but You're about to commit adultery, spiritual adultery, by following someone other than Christ. And what's the picture he paints here? Eve being deceived by the serpent, seduced to fall away. And so Satan's behind this. Who else would try to seduce a follower of Christ away from Christ? Verse 4. For if a person comes and preaches another Jesus whom we did not preach, Or you receive a different spirit, which you had not received. Or a different gospel, which you had not accepted. You put up with it splendidly. Okay, if a person comes. Well, that's kind of a theoretical. The point he's making here is, yes, such a person has already come. In fact, there's a group of them that he uh, calls these super apostles. We'll actually see that term next time in verse 5. He refers to these super apostles. They are so high and mighty and full of themselves. And impressive. So these are the people that have come. And what are they doing? They're preaching another Jesus. They're laying out another gospel. They're presenting another spirit. So it's it's more than a theoretical. This is happening. Now, what's he mean by another Jesus? An imposter, somebody who's not really Jesus? Well, he presents these three things with three verbs, another Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel. And he contrasts that with the Jesus that Paul preached, the spirit that they received, that is the Holy Spirit, or the gospel that they accepted, that is the true gospel. So it's not the Jesus that Paul preached. It's not the Holy Spirit that they received, and it's not the true gospel that they accepted, and it's it's a package deal. It's not that you have an error in one of these because you receive the whole the Holy Spirit. There is it's the only Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when you come to Christ in faith, and repent of your sin based upon responding to the truth of the gospel. They're all together. A package deal so it's not just you can have a, a fake gospel but the right jesus and a partially right spirit no no the the gospel is the explanation of how to be forgiven of your sin through christ and receive the holy spirit and so they, they all work together so he's just using this threefold explanation to, to make the point it really comes down to the gospel the truth of the gospel and the thing about the gospel is you can't mess with the gospel. As soon as you start changing the gospel, you have something that is not the gospel. If you take the gospel and take something out of it, then you don't have the gospel. You're missing part of the gospel. You take the gospel, and add something to it. You've got something that's not the gospel. You may not have a good explanation of the gospel, but the gospel is the gospel and you can't change the gospel. And that's what These super apostles are doing. They're changing the gospel, which you end up with a different Jesus and a different spirit, which is all wrong. And the challenge here, you put up with it splendidly. It's an interesting way to put it. What he's basically saying is that's what's going on. You got this group here, these false apostles, and they're preaching a different gospel, which is a different Jesus, which is a different spirit. And you guys are falling for it. So this section here, this beginning of this fool speech, the, the bottom line here is what we're going to see be seen as boasting. In Paul's thinking, boasting is unwise. Boasting is foolish. He's in a, a situation here. He's being maligned by these false apostles. If he ignores it, then the church might fall into following these false apostles. But if he stoops to their level of boasting, well, based on his summation of things, he's being foolish. He is a fool. But if he doesn't, then he could lose the church to greater fools. So who is the fool in this fool speech? Well, plainly, Paul is. Paul says he's a fool. Paul says he's being foolish. But at least he admits it. And what's being foolish is the boasting. But notice what we'll see is he boasts in his weakness, that in his weakness he is open to Christ's power. And so that's a little different than the others. These super apostles, well, he represents them as foolish by their boasting and by their misleading others. He also presents the Corinthians as foolish in that they are following these false apostles. So this fool speech, Paul is admitting he's being foolish, but he really thinks he has to in order to deal with the threat of these apostles who are leading the church astray. They haven't gone overboard yet, but they're in danger if they don't turn away and stop following these false teachers who are leading them astray. Because anything that changes the gospel results in something that's not the gospel. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 2 Corinthians.